0: Welcome to episode 85 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Yocani. Today we are joined by our guest, Jacqueline Farrington, to discuss strategic presence, authenticity, and connection based on her new book, The Non-Obvious Guide to Better Presentations, or How to Present Like a Pro, Virtually or in Person. You may remember our very first episode about voice titled, wait, I can sound wimpy. This conversation with Jacqueline takes that episode a bit further. We had a lot of fun discussing some very important communication issues. I really liked when we talked about treating a phone like a teleprompter and how to connect with audiences when doing so. Plus she's given some thought to working with a bully in a meeting trying to shut you down. Here's a bit about Jacqueline's background. She has over 20 years experience as a change maker, empowering leaders and their teams to spark transformation and innovation through communications. Known for her direct yet supportive and science-backed approach, Jacqueline works with senior and board level leaders at multinationals such as Amazon and Microsoft. She blends her experience in the performing arts, communications, psychology, and organizational and executive coaching to help her clients find unique communication solutions. And she's offered us some in this episode. We hope you'll enjoy the listen. Here you go. Jacqueline, welcome to Girl Take the Lead. We are so darn excited to have you with us. And I can't wait to talk to you about voice and leadership and strategic presence. Oh, it's going to be a juicy one. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So why don't we start with you uh, just introducing yourself to the listeners so that they know a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. I'm a coach and consultant who works at the intersection of leadership, communications, change. And what that means is that I I support leaders in delivering transformative change so that that has a deep impact on on their teams and their organizations and and the world.
0: Mm, That sounds great. And I think a lot of your your background too has been about helping people present better and have a, a, a stronger presence. Is that right?
1: Yes, because the when I say the intersection of communications, leadership and change, you really, you can't be a good leader if you're not a good communicator. And you leaders are so often asked to deliver change, but you can't deliver change unless you can communicate that and communicate it in a way that helps people feel motivated to mm. adopt the change.
0: Yeah, now you do have your book, um, and we'll have um, a link to that in the show notes. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your book? Because I know it helps, as you said, coach others and work with your clients. Well,
1: the book—I. It's funny. It's a little surprising with the book. I, I started to write it for kind of a banal reason, which was it was the pandemic, and everyone was scrambling to translate from in person communications to virtual. And so I started to write it and then realized it was a, a great tool and guide for my executive coaching clients as they think about communications. It's called the non-obvious guide to better presentations but I think you'll find as you read through it that it, it just has a ton of tips in it for communicating in general that, that you could use in it in a team meeting or even one-on-one communication. Yeah.
0: And, and I love the title, The Non-Obvious Guide. That means that there's a lot of hidden gems in there and things that we can pull from it, I imagine. Is that, is that kind of what you were thinking when you named it?
1: Yeah, I, so The Non-Obvious Guides, are. it's a series of, of books. And the, the gentleman who started them, he was a bit frustrated with with the how-to books out on the market. He felt like the Harvard Business Review books were a little too cerebral and he felt like the Dummies series condescended to their audiences. Mm. They were too dumb. <laughs> And he wanted something in between. And so he markets them as a, something that is written for intelligent people who already have some knowledge of, of the topic, but they also appreciate slightly irreverent approach and Mm -hmm. irreverent humor. And yeah. yeah, So, so that's the, the frame of the book.
0: Yeah. That seems like, well, it should all be fun and entertaining to to grab attention. And I think that's terrific that you kind of went down that path. So we started our episode talking a little bit about strategic presence, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about what that is and how leaders can use that.
1: Yeah. I think of strategic presence as adapting how you show up in the room, changing your presence in the room in order to help that audience hear your message. So always start with the question, who is my audience and what message do I need them to hear? And in order for this particular audience to hear this particular message, how do I need to show up in the room? Mm -hmm.
0: And so it sounds a little bit like authenticity plays a role, being able to adapt to the situation, like having flexibility. It isn't like I think sometimes we can get stuck in our own style, like I'm supposed to be this particular kind of leader, so I'm not going to change it. But it sounds like you're really saying that we need to be flexible.
1: Yeah, especially in, in this world where we have so much changing, rapid change, volatile change, we've got to be flexible and, and agile in our approach. Yeah, that's a great yeah. word. Yeah.
0: And, you know, one of the things that we've worked a lot with on our podcast and one of the key reasons I did this podcast was to help other women find their voice. And I wonder if you have anything to say about that in, in helping all of us, you know, deliver it's, it's like we get caught up in the emotion of, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Am I going to be accepted? All of that. What are things that you can help us with when it comes to that?
1: Finding your voice means getting into the arena and getting into the arena is not comfortable because you're in it. You're in the arena. Mm -hmm. And the way that you can successfully engage in the arena is to give yourself opportunities to to slowly put, put your toe in first. Then, then put maybe half of your foot, then, then your full foot in there. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important to prepare for being in the arena before you get in there.
0: Right.
1: So for example, thinking about how do I, if I, if I think that the arena is going to be high challenge, high stakes, mm-hmm. kind of scary, how do I prepare for that in, in advance? And one of the ways you can do that is to simulate that stress before you go in to simulate, maybe even failure, putting yourself into a situation where you, you might fail. I, I had this client once who she decided she, she was terrified of public speaking and she decided one of the ways she was going to overcome this is that every time she ordered coffee at Starbucks, she was going to give some weird name to, to the, the, what's the barista? The barista, thank you, to the barista. Uh-huh. And she literally worked her way through the Bible with names that <laughs> not <couldn't> even pronounce. <laughs> and at first it was really scary to her to do this. She was an off-the-charts introvert, really scary. But then she started having fun doing it. And that's just a low-risk way of putting your big toe in the water.
0: Yeah, and- well, I can see how anticipating an important meeting or something that you've been invited to and trying to think of what are aspects that are important to you about that meeting and what's important to the leadership in that meeting and helping the goals get, keep moving ahead, like being able to provide insights that maybe nobody else can see in the moment, right? And being able to talk about them. I also think it's a good idea to go last in the room because it allows you to have heard everyone else's concerns. That's a good idea.
1: I'm a bit of a research nerd and there's research on that, that if you're nervous, go first or go as close to the beginning as possible, because otherwise you'll sit there and feel (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That said, what I think what you, what you've landed on is this idea of listening and curiosity, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which gets our attention off of ourselves. I often see younger leaders when, when they're in a meeting and they're thinking, I've got to speak up. I've got to find my voice and I've got to speak up and I need to add something that's really insightful, that adds value. Well, where's their attention when they're thinking that it's, all on themselves mm-hmm. and they become hypercritical of what they're doing, how they're coming across. Whereas if they if they switch that frame and they think about how do I listen to what's going on to the room? How am I curious about what I'm hearing? And then to your point, what's a question that I can ask? So if you think about starting small, questions are a small way of contributing our voices to meetings that are a little lower risk. And in fact, what I, what I tell my younger clients is, think about asking a question about the mundane or the obvious. Can you say a little bit about where you got those numbers? Then once you get the answer, you can drill down into the answer and that's possibly going to start getting you out of thinking about yourself but also thinking about asking more astute questions.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking it probably gives your voice a chance to you know sometimes when those nerves are in your throat and your voice sounds like you're about to cry in like a second, you know, just because you're not used to it and I I see this in in younger leaders as well. You know that it's it's not comfortable it's all the nerves are there but it, i think by beginning with a little something and then you know like a question or you know where did you know how can we support that what it, you know what would be good for the team to to deliver if this is the issue we're addressing that might be a good way just to get the air the breath back into your body Right.
1: Yeah. Yes. Getting your attention off of yourself mm-hmm. onto other people, onto the content, onto the room around you. And also one of my favorite tools to use is, is called affect labeling or also known as name it to tame it. And that's where all, all you do is name how you're feeling. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling frightened I'm feeling intimidated, I'm feeling angry, frustrated, whatever the emotion is, but naming it. And we know that when we name it, you can do it silently to yourself, it activates the brain's control systems, Mm -hmm. the impulse control part of of the brain, which it's counterintuitive, but it dampens the emotion, which doesn't seem like it would if we would say, oh, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling frustrated, but it dampens the emotion and then allows us to speak from a a calmer place or to make decisions from better focus and greater calm. Oh, that
0: makes a lot of sense. One topic that we've addressed quite a bit, because I know that a lot of my listeners have to deal with this. One is like bullies in the room. And then also like almost having a surprise attack. Like somebody says something that they know will put you on the defense. And I know we we are in charge of our own emotions and our decision to react defensively or listen however we listen is is something. But there are people in meetings who kind of play this role of, I've got the power, you don't. And how we deal with that. You know, I've, I've called it, a surprise attack. What we do in those moments to find our voice and to stand our ground. I, I don't know, Jacqueline, if there's an answer we can give our, our listeners, but I know that a lot of them have that issue. How to deal with these difficult situations.
1: Yeah, it, it's tough, you're, you're in the arena and mm-hmm. it's tough that people can throw surprise punches. Life can throw surprise punches. And again, I think we prepare for being in, in the arena before we ever go in there. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a tool like name it to tame it, that that can really help you in those surprise punch moments to because it helps you calm down and it helps you think more rationally mm-hmm. rather than the emotion hijacking our brains. So even if that boom, if, if a bully comes at you or a, a horrible co- comet comes at you, being able to first to say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling, whoa, knocked off my center there. doesn't have to be specific. It's interesting. Often we think when, when we are knocked off our center, we're, we're nervous, afraid, or angry that we should take a breath. You'll, you'll hear that. Just take a deep breath. But in fact, if we can think about letting go of some breath, blowing out some breath. Mm. That triggers the body's need for breath. Because the next thing that the body then knows is you just blew out on my breath.
0: I need a breath. All
1: right. uh, the breath is part of the autonomic nervous system. It knows how to, to breathe. Our bodies know how to breathe without us trying to do it. So blow out a little breath, it will kick in that autonomic nervous system and will remember to breathe, which in turn sends a message to your brain. I'm not in a threat state here. Mm -hmm. I'm not. So it's okay. I can manage this. I can deal with this. And then we can think about, well, how do I want to deal with this in the moment? Do I want to deal with it in the moment? Or do I want to take a step back and maybe follow up with the person Afterwards, when I'm a little calmer and give them some feedback, how do I want to deal with this?
0: Yeah. I like the idea of practicing as well, because I know one listener I have who I've spoken with and has somebody who's at the same level as she is. They're both executives and in leadership positions, and he's often taking her ideas. And promoting them as his and not hers. And so we've talked about different strategies, you know, have other women in the room speak up and, oh, that sounded just like what this person said. How is that different? But the idea of practicing and knowing that this person is probably going to do that again. Are there some scripts that you can come up with, right? You know, to establish your own presence, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and practice before going into the meeting, like what might
1: we will never anticipate what will happen. Now, in, in this person's case, she probably can. Anticipate. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's what she's doing, what I hear she's doing is is coming up with a strategy for how she wants to address that, which is great. It gives her, I'm hearing that she's using some allies, she's thinking about what she wants to say in the room. We can't always do that. Uh, one of the another tool I like to use is called implementation intentions, and implementation intentions sound like this: When X happens, then I will do Y. When my manager says, reappropriates my idea and starts to just feed back to me my idea, then I'm going to turn and look at my my ally, and she's going to speak up and say hey, that was Jacqueline's idea, or when my manager takes my idea, then I'm going to blow out some breath and calmly say, yes, I mentioned that 10 minutes ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Whatever the strategy is. Now, what we know about implementation intentions is that it primes the brain to deal with curveballs. So again, we, we can't ever anticipate everything that's going to happen. But because we've done some scenario planning, and implementations are just another way of thinking about scenario planning. Because we've done some scenario planning, we can then better manage that one unexpected thing that we never thought would happen. We can better manage it when it when it happens.
0: Mm, That's really great. I think that could help some of my listeners. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) You um, talk in your book about tips to connect. Scan, switch, and speak. I think um, how how does that work? In definitely, especially for our Gen Zers, um, and how they are, you know, such a different kind of generation that is definitely becoming young that are becoming young leaders.
1: Well, scan, scan switch, and, and speak is a tool that I use with my speakers when they're on stage and they have to work with a teleprompter. And why that eats into connection is is because a lot of times when people are early days working with a teleprompter, they speak to the teleprompter mm. and their eyes are down on the teleprompter. So so what I say to them is start to get used to this idea of scanning the t- teleprompter, reading ahead for where you need to go, then switching your eye contact, getting your eye contact out to the audience, and then speaking so that your eye contact and your speaking is out to the audience, not down at the floor, which is normally where teleprompters are. They tend to be down at the bottom of the stage. But it speaks to this broader idea of, of connection. And the the there are loads of of tools around how to connect with others how to connect with your audience what i'd say is always start small think about those baby steps starting small and the way that you start small with connection is thinking first about your audience mm-hmm. what's meaningful to my audience if i know their communication preferences how can i adapt my presence and be more strategic in my presence to meet them halfway in their their communication preferences. And that's just a very easy beginning way to start to think about connecting with others.
0: Well, I, I think I might've mentioned to you that I'm an adjunct lecturer at San Jose State University. And so many of the students, when they get up to present, they're on their phones and they're reading from their phones. And I thought, okay, well the next class, I'm just going to be really hard on them and take the phones away and stuff. But I think you're giving me some thought. Maybe I coach them a little bit about connecting, even if they're using their phone for their presentation, instead of reading, making sure that they, they scan and then they are able to really connect because that their audience are other students, and they're all going to be on their phones too, or they're Their tablets, you know, because that's just like it.
1: (laughs) They are digital natives, and and you see, you see younger folks sitting on park benches, having conversations with each other like this. Yes, yes. And so I'm curious too, though, about intent, because communication is all about intent, clarity of intent, and how are they trying to make their audience feel as, as they're speaking? What is their
0: intention? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's they, uh, I, I looked at it as, I remember my first class and they got up to present and I went, oh boy, do they need help in this area? Because they are used to being with their device. They are used to looking down. And they're not used to connecting. So I think there's rather than I, I'm always of the philosophy rather than change what they're doing to be something that is so awkward to them. Maybe there's a way to incorporate what they're doing and help them make the connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause it, if you think about the intent there holding my phone speaking to my phone my intent is i th- i think i'd be curious to know what their intent is but the assumption i make is that their intent is to not screw up
0: right do it right mm-hmm. their intent
1: is i'm fearful i need to do this right i don't want to screw up and and so if they can use something like scan switch speak they still have that crutch there initially to help support them in taking some risks, but then they start to lo- use a tool to learn to get the eye contact up and then think about how am I trying to make my audience feel?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Well, I think we could keep going all afternoon, but <laughs> is there anything we didn't cover that you would like to cover for our audience? Because they're I think they're so committed to learning about how to be you know have that presence of leadership and and be with their audience.
1: So you, you, we we didn't really talk about this idea of strategic presence and authenticity. And I think strategic presence helps you be more authentic. You hit on it a little bit when you said sometimes leaders feel like I have to be one kind of leader, and that's it. Yeah, and, and yes, we often get those messages. That idea of executive presence is frequently set by the the dominant culture, the people who are the leaders at the top, and it's often a very restrictive, limited way of thinking about presence. Whereas this idea of strategic presence is more authentic because none of us are only one thing. We go through our day and we are many different people, identities, roles. I I wouldn't dream of talking to you the way I talk to my dog. I would not dream of it. Yeah, I adjust my presence based on who my audience is.
0: And I think probably there must have been somewhere along the line that some assessment was made that if you change yourself to your audience, you're being inauthentic, right? And what you're proposing and challenging us to look at is the exact opposite.
1: Yes, and to draw on our values, the different identities that we own in in life And asking ourselves, well, what part of myself do I need to amplify in this situation in order to be a more successful communicator?
0: I was thinking about my dad, and we were on a vacation as a family. My dad is first generation Mexican, born here in the States. We were up in Canada, and he had driven, like, I don't know, all day or whatever to get to this town. And we go in, he and I went in. To get a hotel room. And the man said, We don't give rooms to Mexicans here. And my dad turned and said, Oh, we all have our idiosyncrasies and walked out. And I was behind him. And I'll never forget it because, of course, he responded in a way that was just amazing. (laughs) And the guy probably had to go look the word up in the dictionary, (laughs) but I think, I think what you're getting at is, you know, you adapt to whatever is needed in the moment, right?
1: Absolutely. And this world, this current world requires us to do that. Yeah. It can't be just one thing. Right. And it, in fact it's more authentic because this idea that there's one person in our brain controlling everything our brains aren't aren't hardwired that way our brains are hardwired to help us perform multiple functions multiple mm-hmm. functions yeah. and each of those functions has a different se- sense of self yeah so that's all we're doing is embracing our whole selves our yeah. our our unique thinking style, our unique decision making style, but also understanding that maybe we need to flex those styles sometimes and expand in our repertoire.
0: Yeah. I know some people right off the top of my head who I know will like that very much. So, great. Is there anything else we may you know? Uh, well, Jacqueline, what a great conversation. I am so glad that you joined us. And thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Yolanda, for having
0: me. Okay, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening today. And we sure hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. We also have a YouTube channel where your subscription would be appreciated. Once you're on YouTube search at girl, take the lead. So the three takeaways from this episode were one, strategic presence is about adapting to how you show up in the room. We need to be flexible and agile. Two, finding your voice is about getting into the arena and it can be uncomfortable, but there are ways to prepare for that. Three, Listening and curiosity gets the attention off ourselves, and questions are a low-risk way to contributing to a meeting. We have lots of exciting guests lined up for August, including Nori Java, author of Keeping Your Seat at the Table, Courtney Lee, founder OYT Cosmetics, Bessie Graham, award-winning entrepreneur, and Maria Moriukayan, an expert in diversity equality, and inclusion. We hope you'll join us for these episodes and listen to these amazing women leaders. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye.